Hello and welcome to the Master of Demon Gorge podcast. Today we're talking about the philosopher, the carpenter, and the war game. As you have probably noticed from my previous episode on the seven military classics, I have recently had questions of war and peace on my mind. It is admittedly, at least partly a result of considering the current military and geopolitical situation in the Taiwan Strait, which of course has been all over the news lately. And I recently read the book by Admiral Li Ximing, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the Taiwanese Armed Forces, in which he analyzes Taiwan's chances in a potential conflict with the People's Republic of China. Again, on this podcast, we try to steer clear of commenting directly on contemporary politics. So let's not talk anymore about that. Instead, the ongoing tensions have brought to mind for me the Warring States tale about Mozi, the philosopher, and Lu Ban the great carpenter, and the siege of the kingdom of Song. Let's begin by introducing the dramatis personae. Who was Mozi? Mozi was actually named Di. The zi ending is a term of respect that roughly translates to master of something. Hence, Sunzi, master Sun, of the art of war. The word Confucius in English is actually an English rendering of a French attempt to say Confuzi. And of course, there was the master of Demon Gorge himself, Guizi, after which this podcast is named. Although I say that Mozi was named Mordi, but Actually, the sources don't give us a consensus account even of his real name. This is only the traditional orthodox account. A second alternative account says that his name got flipped around, so his surname was actually Di. Although confusingly, this same character, when used as a surname, should take its alternative pronunciation of Jai. The argument for this is that, apparently, during the Warring States era, Mo was not a recognized surname. So it had to be only the name of his school of philosophy. A third theory, courtesy of the famous 20th century historian Qian Mu, points out that Mo means ink in Chinese, and so, by extension, black or dark. And an ancient form of corporal punishment, the tattooing of prisoners' faces, was called the penalty of more, the penalty of the ink. According to this theory, Mozi's surname really was Di or Jai, and his background was that of a slave. One final theory is that 
more referred to his skin tone, referred to the fact that he had uncommonly dark skin, perhaps suggesting that he was not even racially Chinese, but of, say, Indian extraction. Neither are we really sure of where Mozi was from. Recall that the Warring States period saw China divided into a series of medium-sized to small kingdoms. Often we say, I know I've said it before on this podcast, that the Warring States consisted of seven kingdoms: Qing, Qi, Chu, Yan, Han, Zhao, Wei. But actually, those were just the major powers, the major players on the geopolitical scene of the time. Other smaller and weaker kingdoms also existed, and often found themselves the targets of the larger kingdom's aggression. Mozi has been variously said to be from the kingdom of Chu, one of the great powers, or the kingdom of Song, or the kingdom of Lu, which would make him a compatriot of Confucius. Most scholars now accept. This last theory that he was from the kingdom of Lu, located in today's province of Shandong. Anyway, so Mozi perhaps lived from 468 BC to 376 BC, and interestingly, though early in life he followed the teachings of Confucius, Mozi ultimately turned against Confucianism. In fact, one of his Key writings that survive is called precisely that, against Confucianism. Whereas Confucianism was chiefly concerned with ethics, Mozi was something of a scientist or natural philosopher. He proposed ideas in mechanics, optics, geometry, and algebra. He and his disciples experimented, apparently. With a pinhole camera, and he suggested the concept of the atom, the theoretically indivisible point that is the smallest unit of reality. As his contemporary, the Greek philosopher Democritus, also proposed around the same time. But Mozi also had his moral philosophy. It was rather akin to utilitarianism, as developed more than two millennia later in Britain by the likes of Jeremy Bentham and John Stuart Mill. The goal of politics should be to achieve the greatest good for the greatest number of citizens. From this notion flowed Mozart's general pacifism. As war invariably. Brought death and destruction to large portions of the population. According to Mozart's moral calculus, it was almost never justified. Although at the same time, he accepted a form of just war theory. A revolutionary war to get rid of a tyrant was okay. This pacific attitude led directly to our story today. When the kingdom of Chu, one of the great powers, decided 
to launch an attack on the small kingdom of Song. But now we must pause to tell the story of Lu Ban the carpenter. Again, Lu Ban's real name is disputed, and we'll probably never know for sure. Only we know for a fact that Lu Ban was not his real name. Rather, he was also from the kingdom of Lu, and his given name seemed to have been Ban, so he came to be known as Lu Ban. His surname was probably Gong Shu, although it's also possible that this Gong Shu and Lu Ban were two different people. And he was perhaps born in 507 BC. And although I've been saying carpenter, he was perhaps better described as an engineer and inventor. He was supposed to have been a great genius. The Chinese language, even today, contains a chengyu or fixed expression derived from him. Ban Menongfu, to play with an axe at Lu Ban's house. It describes the situation where one person, whose skill or knowledge is actually quite rudimentary but doesn't know it, tries to show off in front of a true expert. Although there can be no clear documentation for any of this, Lu Ban has been credited with inventing some of the basic tools of carpentry, including even the saw. Although actually, this attribution has to be false because the saw was already in widespread usage in China even before Lu Ban. And his wife has been credited with inventing the umbrella. For the purposes of this story, however, the important thing is that Lu Ban has been credited with inventing a number of weapons. He is said to have created the wooden magpie, which was just what it sounds like. Allegedly, it could fly for three days straight without stopping, and apparently, it could be employed in intelligence work—a kind of Bronze Age drone. He's said to have invented a kind of hook-based naval weapon designed to stop an enemy ship. And finally, crucial to our story, he's said to have invented the cloud ladder, a kind of siege engine that, as its name suggests, allows soldiers to ascend over the defenders' city walls. So the story, which comes out of a chapter of the book known as Mozi, named after its author, goes like this: After Lu Ban invented the cloud ladders, which he did for the kingdom of Chu, the king of Chu decides to use these new weapons in a campaign against the kingdom of Song. Hearing this news, Mozi travels. Ten days straight, to get to Lu Ban's house, where he says to Lu Ban, "There is a man in the north who has insulted me. I ask you, good sir, to go and kill him for me. I'll even pay you for it." Lu Ban replies with displeasure, 
I don't kill people. Watsa says, Well, I heard that you designed these cloud ladders, and soon they'll be used in a campaign against the Song. What did the Song ever do to the Chu? Chu is a big country with plenty of land, and the Song has never attacked the Chu. Sir, you refuse to go and kill one man for me, but you allow your weapons to be used in a war that'll kill thousands? Luban sees his point, but says that it's out of his hands now. The king of Chu has decided to attack, and he, as merely the engineer, is powerless to stop the king. So Mozi says, Will you introduce me to the king? Luban agrees. So then the king of Chu grants Mozi an audience. Mozi says to the king, There is a man in possession of silk clothes and fine food. But instead of enjoying his own clothes and food, he goes and steals the cotton clothes and much worse food of his neighbor. How would you describe such a man? The king replies, This man must be a kleptomaniac. Mozi says, The kingdom of Chu is ten times the size of the Song. It has a great lake with all manners of interesting creatures around it. It has the most abundant fishery in the world in the Yangtze River. The Song, in contrast, doesn't even have chickens and rabbits. For the Chu to attack the Song is like the rich kleptomaniac trying to steal from his impoverished neighbor. The king replies, Even so, I already have the cloud ladders that will make conquering the Song a piece of cake. So I will proceed with my plans. At this, Mozi asks for Luban to be summoned again, and proposes an early form of a war game or a simulation in front of the king. He takes off his belt and uses it as a model for city walls. And he takes little wooden sticks, I guess like toothpicks or matches, to use as models of siege engines and countermeasures. It's not explained what these countermeasures are, but Mozi appears to have invented them himself. Luban, being the creator of the cloud ladders, and thus the man most familiar with their operation, plays the rival commander. Nine times, Luban attacks the model city with his model cloud ladders, and nine times Mozi successfully defends against him. After nine rounds, nine simulations, you might say, Luban stops and says, I know how to defeat you, but I'm not going to say it. The king chimes in and asks, What do you mean? Mozi says, What he means is, if your majesty should simply kill me now, then there will be no one who knows how to defend against the cloud ladders who can go and help the Song. And your majesty can continue with your war plans. But what you don't realize is that some 200 of my students 
are already at the kingdom of Song, with the countermeasures ready. Even if you kill me now, your planned assault on the Song is already doomed to failure. At this, the king finally gives up and orders his troops to stand down. But in reality, Mo Zi was lying. His students were not in the kingdom of Song, awaiting the enemy on the city walls. We know this because, in a poignant coda to the story, after leaving the king, Mo Zi travels homeward and passes by the kingdom of Song on his way. It happens to be raining heavily, and Mo Zi is drenched. At the city gates, Mo Zi asks to be allowed inside to shelter from the rain. The Song soldiers, having no idea who he is, having no idea that he has just saved their kingdom from destruction, deny his request and tell him to get lost. Thus ends the story of Mo Zi and Lu Ban, the story of one of the earliest, if not the earliest, recorded instance of a tabletop war game, so common now at Washington think tanks and other institutions. Just one more story I remember from childhood. This has been MLDG. Thank you for listening.